Chapter Forty Three of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lafano. Chapter Forty Three showing how charles nutter's blow descended and what part the silver spectacles bore in the crisis in the morning the distress and keepers were in stark's house we must not be too hard upon nutter tis a fearful affair and no child's play this battle of life stark had assailed him like a beast of prey not nutter to be sure only lord castle mallard's agent of that functionary his wolfish instinct craved the flesh bones and blood stirk had no other way to live and grow fat nutter or he must go down the little fellow saw his great red maw and rabid fangs at his throat if he let him off he would devour him and lie in his bed with his cap on and his caudles and cordials all round as the wolf did by little red riding hood's grandmamma and with the weapon which had come to hand a heavy one too he was going with heaven's help to deal him a brain blow when stirk heard in the morning that the blow was actually struck he jumped out of bed and was taken with a great shivering fit sitting on the side of it little mrs stirk as white as her nightcap with terror was yet decisive in emergency and bethought her of the brandy bottle two glasses from which the doctor swallowed before his teeth gave over chattering and a more natural tint returned to his blue face oh barney dear are we ruined faltered poor little mrs stirk ruined indeed cried stirk with an oath come in here he thought his study was on the same floor with his bedroom as it had been in old times in their house in limerick ten or twelve years before that's the nursery barney dear she said thinking in the midst of the horror like a true mother of the children's sleep then he remembered and ran down to the study and pulled out a sheaf of bills and promissory notes and renewals thereof making a very respectable show ruined indeed he cried hoarsely talking to his poor little wife in the tones and with a ferocity which the image of nutter with which his brain was filled called up look i say here's one fellow owes me that and that and that and there there's a dozen in that by another there's two more sets there pinned together and here's an account of them all two thousand two hundred and you may say three hundred two thousand three hundred owed me here and that miscreant won't give me a day is it the rent barney the rent to be sure what else should it be shouted the doctor with a stomp and so pale little mrs stirk stole out of the room as her lord with bitter mutterings pitched his treasure of bad bills back again into the escritoire and she heard him slam the study door and run downstairs to browbeat and curse the men in the hall for he had lost his head somewhat between panic and fury he was in his stockings and slippers with an old flowered silk dressing-gown 
and nothing more but his shirt and looked they said like a madman one of the fellows was smoking and stirk snatched the pipe from his mouth and stomped it to adams on the floor roaring at them to know what the hell brought them there and without a pause for an answer thundered and i suppose you'll not let me take my box of instruments out of the house mind it's worth fifty pounds and curse me if one of our men dies for want of them in the hospital i'll indict you both and your employer along with you for murder and so he railed on till his voice failed him with a sort of choking and there was a humming in his ears and a sort of numbness in his head and he thought he was going to have a fit and then up the stairs he went again and into his study and resolved to have nutter out and it flashed upon him that he'd say pay the rent first and then what next why he'd post him all over dublin and chapel is it and leashlip with the lord lieutenant and court were and down he sat to a sheet of paper with his left hand clenched on the table and his teeth grinding together as he ransacked his vocabulary for befitting terms but alas his right hand shook so that his penmanship would not do in fact it half frightened him by my soul i believe something bad has happened me he muttered and popped up his window and looked out half dreaming over the churchyard on the park beyond and the dewy overhanging hill all pleasantly lighted up in the morning sun while this was going on little mrs stirk who on critical occasions took strong resolutions promptly made a wonderfully rapid toilet and let herself quietly out of the street door she had thought of dr walsingham but stirk had lately in one of his imperious freaks of temper withdrawn his children from the good doctor's catechetical class and sent him besides one of the sturdy impertinent notes and the poor little woman concluded there was no chance there she knew little of the rector of the profound humility and entire placability of that noble soul well she took the opposite direction and turning her back on the town walked at her quickest pace toward the brass castle it was not eight o'clock yet but the devil had been up betimes and got through a good deal of his day's work as we have seen the poor little woman had made up her mind to apply to dangerfield she had liked his talk at belmont where she had met him and he inquired about the poor and listened to some of her woeful tales with a great deal of sympathy and she knew he was very rich and that he appreciated her barney and so she trudged on full of hope though i don't think many people who knew the world better would have given a great deal for her chance dangerfield received the lady very affably in his little parlor where having already dispatched his early meal he was writing letters he looked hard at her when she came in and again when she sat down and when she had made an end of her long and dismal tale he opened a sort of strong-box and took out a thin quarto and read turning the leaves rapidly over hey here we have him chapel is it stirk barnabas surgeon r i a a signee of john low hey one gale day as you call it only september how came that rent forty pounds why then he owes me a whole year's rent forty pounds mom 
september and his days of grace have expired he ought to have paid it here there came a dreadful pause during which nothing was heard but the sharp ticking of his watch on the table well mum he said when a thing comes before me i say yes or no promptly i like your husband and i'll lend him the amount of his rent poor little mrs sturk jumped up in an ecstasy and then felt quite sick and sat down almost fainting with a death-like smile there's but one condition i attach that you tell me truly my dear mom whether you came to me directly or indirectly at his suggestion no indeed she had not it was all her own thought she had not dared to mention it to him lest he should forbid her and now she should be almost afraid to tell him where she had been he'll not be very angry depend on't my good madam you did wisely in coming to me i respect your sense and energy and should you hereafter stand in need of a friendly office i beg you'll remember once who is disposed to help you then he sat down and wrote with a flying pen my dear sir i have just learned from mrs sturk that you have an immediate concern for forty pounds to which i venture to surmise will be added some fees etc i take leave therefore to send herewith fifty guineas which i trust will suffice for this troublesome affair we can talk hereafter about repayment mrs sturk has handed me a memorandum of the advance your very obedient humble servant giles dangerfield the brass castle chapel is it second october seventeen sixty seven then poor little mrs sturk was breaking out into a delirium of gratitude but he put his hand upon her arm kindly and with a little bow and an emphasis he said pray not a word my dear madam just write a line and he slid his desk before her with a sheet of paper on it and say mr dangerfield has this day handed me a loan of fifty guineas for my husband dr barnabas sturk now sign if you please and had the date very good i'm afraid you can hardly read it my fingers tremble a little said mrs sturk with a wild little deprecatory titter and for the first time very near crying tis mighty well said dangerfield politely and he accompanied the lady with the note and fifty guineas made up in a little rouleau fast in her hand across his little garden and with a fine morning truly and god bless you madam and one of his peculiar smiles he led her out through his little wicket on the high road and so away went mrs sturk scarce feeling the ground under her feet and giles dangerfield carrying his white head very erect with an approving conscience and his silver spectacles flashing through the leaves of his lilacs and laburnums returned to his parlour mrs sturk who could hardly keep from running glided along at a wonderful rate wondering now and then how quickly the whole affair so awful as it seemed to her in magnitude was managed dangerfield had neither hurried her nor himself and yet he dispatched the matter and got her away in less than five minutes in little more than a quarter of an hour after 
dr stirk descended his doorsteps in full costume and marched down the street and passed the military barrack from his violated fortress as it were with colors flying drums beating and ball in mouth he paid the money down at nutter's table in the small room at the phoenix where he sat in the morning to receive his rent eyeing the agent with a fixed smirk of hate and triumph and telling down each piece on the table with a fierce clink that had the ring of a curse in it little nutter met his stare with suppressed fury with an eye just as steady and malign and a countenance blackened by disappointment not a word was heard but stirk's insolent tone counting the gold at every clang on the table nutter shoved him a receipt across the table and swept the gold into his drawer go over tom he said to the bailiff in a stern low tone and see the men don't leave the house till the fees are paid and stirk laughed a very pleasant laugh you may be sure over his shoulder at nutter as he went out at the door when he was gone nutter stood up and turned his face toward the empty grate i have seen some plain faces once or twice look so purely spiritual and others at times so infernal as to acquire in their homeliness a sort of awful grandeur and from every feature of nutter's dark wooden face was projected at that moment a supernatural glare of baffled hatred that dilated to something almost sublime end of chapter forty three recording by john brandon